Ahura Janaka. I hope this finds you well. It's Saturday morning, and I'd usually be writing you a newsletter, but since there's no evening session, I thought I'd offer up a few ideas. Can't say I'm wholly confident of coherence. Let me start by saying then that personally, I had another rough night, not much sleep. This might be another feature of the redolent burning fuse on life. There's little doubt in my own mind that I'm somehow better off having fewer dreams right now. We didn't go out. Nothing particularly happened in the world but the news. But that seems to be enough. I think I'm worried as you are about our shared state of affairs, be that domestic or foreign. There's way too much heat, too much burns. We're not immune to these fires and we long for more light when so much feeling dodges and weaves inside. So, first, I couldn't sleep, and then I dreamt myself awake. You know how that goes. You get a purchase on the dreaming itself. You wake yourself up. It's like hitting the escape key, not really knowing what's going to happen. But it's certainly better than the screen that you're on. Despite Carl Jung's admonitions to diligence in recording our dreams so that we might get onto the business of the more we are beneath waking consciousness, never been a very good student of my own dreams. Like those who know better, I make excuses, procrastinate, and above all, bypass, some of which is done to retain sanity, while most of it is because I know I'm constructing a more honest narrative of a more complex self, and that's going to be difficult, discomforting, probably even painful. I mean, why deal with yourself when you can choose not to? The shadows won't stop because they are yet another feature of the unconscious leading the way, not usually revealing, but breaking through when it's not convenient or wanted, when the inner self is contending and the unconscious is demanding a vowel. We might prefer to deny, but shadows don't concede to our preferences so much as recede. Their underappreciation is rarely in service of our mental health, much less our personal growth. Anyways, rather than bore you with personal disclosures, I thought we'd take a moment to consider what might be happening to all of us when shadows, both personal and shared, leave us wondering when we're going to get a decent night's sleep again. There are so many in this world who will be deprived of that for far more dangerous reasons than dreams. The shadow conceals and is concealed or bypassed because the world will challenge us to make it through a waking day, likely with as much urgency as it has presence. And if it's necessary to feign competence, all the while the inner conversations will carry on, with or without our meaningful participation. So a few words this morning about shadows and what we need to know about them. First, a bit of definition. Lest we stumble around in the dark, Even more than is likely, a definition can encourage us to think we're sharing more consonants than confusion. So the shadow in its simplest definition is all that is hidden from us. They are a feature of our human consciousness, not a quirk or an option. If we begin there, then our embrace is not only a vital fact of life, but the beginning of a journey that considers what this means. We have shadows for the same reason we have everything else in our human makeup. They survive because they are born of the survivors. We use shadows to protect ourselves. 
Imagine if we could see plainly the whole of our consciousness. Some might call that enlightenment, but the rest of us would know it's better to take out the shadows like closet skeletons and learn to put them away when that's the next thing we need to do. There is no living without them, but how we live with them is what will make all the difference. We are persons who, as the ancient Rig Veda describes, are always three-fourths unrevealed. We don't actually reduce that percentage when we grow, so much as grow into the significance that we're never going to get the advantage in revelation or in apprehension. We're always three-fourths unrevealed. The image of shadow as darkness shouldn't lead us to believe that light will dissolve them either, certainly not into perfect clarity. Rather, light makes more shadow, and while that too may not be intended, or much preferred, it's likely what is going to happen. A fair strategy, then, is to bring all of yourself, including all the senses and the mind, to your discovery, interrogation, to your understanding. The metaphor here is, of course, photic, light and shadow, but the process must be all-inclusive, a synesthesia of our resources, a bringing to bear of the whole of ourselves. So let me move into further mixed metaphor. When you listen for your shadows as they emerge from the darkness, reveal themselves in dreams, and reverberate from the unconscious, we must not merely heed their narratives as if they are true, simply because they're so articulate, they're so genuine. We experience them as real. This would put instinct ahead of analysis, and while that might serve you in some circumstances, with respect to the shadow, it isn't going to do the real work. It would be a mispriority, but we have to provide all the passion we need without acting rashly or misunderstanding deeper messages. The task is not to believe the shadow tales, but instead to learn how to interpret them. Shadows come to us as they do more like myths than like facts. Facts are things by evidence and argument that we can verify, we can test. But a myth must be twisted and turned to make meaning. And we have to do that by repeated expansion, expansion into uncertainties, into tentative conclusions, allowing discomfort and incompleteness because the work goes on. Shadow work is always a work in progress unless we choose to ignore them, in which case they'll lurk, they'll prowl, they'll stalk us, because the shadow is a predator unless and until we learn how to make it an ally. That's why shadows are so often portrayed mythically as hungry ghosts or demonic rivals. They're looking for love just like all of us. They're hungry. So don't ignore them and don't fail to address their hunger. We have to learn how to feed our shadows in order to bring them to the table. What happens next is a conversation, and the direction of that conversation is up for grabs. When we go looking for the shadow, we can be overwhelmed by its absence of light, not just by how baffling and lost we can feel for the feelings we're having. I mean, what did that mean? You may well say it to yourself after a dream or after watching the news, and be no better off for having had the experience of the honest question. 
But where the light points only appears in direct lines. There is no direct line of sight in the nature of the shadow. To believe that one has revealed all of its meanings or true meaning is another soothing lie we tell ourselves because it's hard to live with the ambiguities and complexities of a plural self, the majority of which is unrevealed. So perhaps a better way to address the sources of shadow revelation is to bring a paradox to bear. We must be serious, but not lose our sense of humor. We must be sober enough to revel in the intoxications that open the mind and the heart, like a shadow will, like a good myth always will. But above all, we must search for meaning, even as we conclude that no meaning will suffice because it's not out there, it's to be made. And because what we are learning about the self does not conclude, we've lived innumerable lives in the collection of the unconscious over the course of a shared humanity. The solace we gain is not resolution or even ultimate meaning. Rather, it is that we are in this together. We are not alone, and you are not alone, not even with your own self. Let's make that good company. So there is good company to be kept in the value of this conversation that both comforts and discomforts, secures and dislodges, opens and opens again until there is more horizon to pursue. Shadows will stalk us from behind until we learn how to put them before us so that we can have those deeper conversations with feelings and thoughts that emerge from places unseen, like from our dreams, or from our hopes, or from our memories. We are speaking here of deeper truths about ourselves, about individual and collective experiences. And so there are places to look for the shadow that aren't just so personal as our own dreams. But that is, of course, a wonderful place to start, something I can really commend I've never been so good at recording mine, although I've often brought a notebook to the nightstand. I thought about bringing a recorder, too. I mean, did you know that Keith found the melody to the Stones' satisfaction in the middle of the night? He apparently woke up, recorded the lick, and fell back asleep with no recollection of what he'd done. He found the recorder played out when he woke up, ran it back. There, well, the rest is rock and roll history. I hope to do better with my dreams and those middle-of-the-night breakthroughs that I don't remember. But there is a more palpable and collectivized form of shadow exploration. And that's to be had in storytelling, in mythology, and in the arts. That's where the long way home begins. And there's a possibility here of interpretation that can help us appreciate more of what we're feeling, why we're feeling the way we do, and what we can understand that gives us meaningful points to act upon. We are, after all, in the collective shared experience that is a myth, that is a work of art. Now, it's axiomatic of yogic thinking that we're less effective actors when we are less thorough in our understanding or less committed to our learning. We'll be but victims of karma if we don't attend to it, and in that sense, Yoga is paying attention so that we're no longer passive registrants of our lives, but more actively, deeply engaged participants 
including in our dreams. Now, recording and studying our dreams, as we've said, is hard. Taking the time to learn and study myths that record culture through symbols we share and archetypes that form us, that too is no small task. Maybe like I said at the outset, I'm feeling more urgency about this self-understanding thing because I can hear the sound, taste a bit of that smokestack lightning coming up from behind me now that I'm of a certain age. Dogen, the Japanese philosopher of Zen, reminds us that the Buddha Shakyamuni didn't wait for his dotage to take up the issues of his own existence. Instead, he got right to it when he still had nearly the whole of his own life before him. Maybe that's why he woke up. This need to know more about ourselves can wait, but it shouldn't. And in great stories, we find ourselves in every character and form because the shadow embodies in this artistry and the hidden genius of a myth is worth telling because that's where the shadow, that's where the shadow lies. Poetry and wise philosophers, well, wise philosophers, those are rare people who dissent for a living from being told what to think. They can, they can help us. They can help us in this process. So next week, we're going to start to read together some important poets and philosophers. We're going to take up their ideas, their symbols. We're going to enter their mythic worlds. And you know what will happen? Well, stuff will come up, whether you notice it immediately or not. And so much stuff will come up that we'll likely dream about it, not about what was said by the poet or the philosopher that we might soon forget, but rather about what the unconscious heard and what it's churned from the inside. That's what dreams can do. They can tell us those deeper messages from the inside, what we learned because we heard a poem or because a philosopher gave us an insight. We'll all have our own dreams, but there'll be something so human about what's being told that no matter how personal these experiences are, we each are actually listening to each other. And here we learn how to listen for each other. That's what can happen when we learn together. We can begin to hear the voices inside that we share and come to enter a conversation we need to have with ourselves, best had with each other. So I hope to see you next week. You don't need to know anything about these poets or these philosophers that we're going to read together, only that they share our dreams too, and that they want to find out what's happening inside as much as we do, no matter where that takes us. But we won't go it alone. We'll go it together. And I'll see you then. Take care.